Well, I hope you guys are good. I hope you're having a good week. And do you know what? Even if you haven't, one of the things, and I'll talk about this a bit more later on, but one of the things that, that we need to be and in everything is give thanks. Not for everything. The Bible doesn't say for everything, give thanks, because there's just some stuff that you're going, that's dumb. There is no way I can be thankful for it. But in everything, we can be thankful. We make, you see, gr- gratitude is a choice. It's not circumstantial. And uh, we have a position of being grateful. And if there's nothing else, we can be grateful as followers of Christ. And I'm, you know, there's many followers of Christ, both in this room and, and talking through online. Not all of you are, and that's okay. But for many of us, for all of us who are already followers of Christ, we can be thankful for what God has already done for us. And uh, if there's nothing else in life, because I know there's people that are really struggling at the moment, and Bailey has already prayed into a few of those things. But you know what? We can be thankful for who God is and what he's done for us. And that is our choice to do that. And uh, I want to say, welcome home. Welcome home. If you've been here for many years, I know Brent is, is entering his 70s. And uh, he's been here for about 300 years. And, uh, but if you've been here for so many years, or maybe if you're just new here today, and maybe you're thinking, what on earth have I walked into? It's okay. We're quite friendly. Maybe you're through online as well. And uh, it might be your first time. Welcome home. Make this home. Even if it's just for today, we want to encourage you. Make this place, make this environment home. And uh, just so you know as well, Dee and Judah arrive on Tuesday into Saskatoon Airport. I am so thankful for that. Excited about that happening. And uh, I won't be a miserable so-and-so any longer, but uh, so yeah, they're, they're arriving, and the great thing is now they don't have to do this quarantine thing, Dee is fully vaccinated, uh, she's been so incredibly careful this past couple of weeks, just, you know, the, the hardest thing is not saying goodbye uh, close and personal to the many people that she loves, but she's made that choice because she obviously has to uh, have COVID tests, she had one this morning, and she has one on on Tuesday when she arrives here as well. But so, that's all my waffle. Are you ready to come around the Word of God this morning? Fantastic. Why don't you stand with me as we pray together? And remember, it's okay to agree. Just while you're there, stood. Why don't you say, that's good, John. You see, you are awake. You can respond. It's good. Father, we thank you that we have the privilege of being in your house. And as I pray, as I I try and keep a part of my heart, I pray that I would never, that we would never take this privilege of meeting together and worshiping together, raising our hands, raising our voices, opening our hearts and minds, that we would never take that privilege and honor for granted. I pray, God, that that we would open our hearts and minds today as we journey together through this huge topic that we'll actually never get to the end of, of God is. God, I pray that we would have open hearts, not just for these few moments, but God, I pray as we, as we walk out of this, I pray that each of us that want to hear from you, God, that you will give us one phrase, one thought, one topic that maybe haunt us for the rest of the week, that maybe we'll go away and search and research 
and find out more of who you are in the name of Jesus. Amen. Why don't you grab your seats? We've still got a bit of a feedback. Do you want me to continue using this mic or... Yep, carry on. I want to ask you, are there subjects that you find difficult to address with people? To have, to have conversations with people around a certain topic because you know, you know that some of these topics actually elicit a lot of emotion and, and it's very difficult to debate with people, isn't it? We, we often draw, draw up our battle lines when we go on about these topics. Topics like, should pizza really have pineapple on it? Dogs or cats? Yeah, you see, you're wrong. I'm really sorry, but if you... If you say... Shall I use another mic? Cool. Let's grab another mic. Thank you. We've gone on to a new topic now. You're too late on that one. You're wrong. Let me say, these are actually topics that people disagree and argue over. The best way to put on a bra. Now, I've never had to think about that myself because I know the best way to... No, I won't go into that one. Here's another one that, that went viral, I think, last year. Whether you feel peeling chicken nuggets is justifiable. I think whether you feel eating chicken nuggets is justifiable is probably a better topic. Should you or should you not ever recline in your aircraft seat? People get so annoyed. I I saw a video of someone having a fight over whether they should recline or not in their seat. Now I know they're... They're pretty dumb topics, but it's amazing how we draw up battle lines under topics that should... It's like, yeah, you can have a laugh and you can have a debate, but people get really emotionally engaged with topics like that. But then there's topics that have more serious consequence. Topics like gun control, masks and vaccinations that we are in the middle of at the moment, climate control. Some of those are big current topics that people, Christians, draw battle lines over. And can can I just come off my notes a minute? If you're drawing battle lines, now it's okay to have differing opinions on any of those subjects. But to draw battle lines, particularly with other Christians, is un-Christ-like. Can I say that? Now, you may be thinking, yeah, I agree with that as long as you agree with my perception. I don't know and I don't care. There are other similar topics around the character of God that that sometimes we avoid. And, And I don't want to be a church. You know, there's topics that we don't have to just go on and on and on about. But there are topics that we can't avoid or shouldn't avoid. Topics like sin. What does that mean? And maybe at some stage we'll talk about what it actually means and what the Bible definition of sin is. But it's not something that we have to focus on all the time. 
heaven and hell is, are other topics that we, we should engage with. And today, I want to engage with one that's maybe a bit left field. You might thought, well, how, how does that, where does that fit in? And I want to talk about this. And I've got to admit, this message was actually quite difficult to prepare. I had all my notes. I've had these notes for, for a long, long time. But trying to put them together and, and, and trying to craft them in a way that, that brings something to us as we hit this God is topic has been quite difficult. Now, one of the things I don't intend to do is answer all your questions. I don't think a preacher should ever answer all the questions. What I want and what I want us to be able to do is, is learn how to think, not just what to think. To learn how to go to the Bible, to research and search for some of these things. But I want to do, what I want to do is, is open up this particular topic. So maybe, you know, as you're chatting within uh, your groups or whatever, as we start those again, you can actually begin to think about how does that how do I feel about this topic? There are parts of the Bible that when you read them, when I read them, I'm just thinking, that's just weird. If I was writing a book about myself, there's no way I'd put that in. Or if I was getting someone else to do a biography of me, there's no way I'd put that in about me. You know, when you look at some of the religious laws, you think, that's just strange. Some of the behavior of people... Why would you put that in the Bible? One of the characteristics that I read about years ago was a difficult attribute of God to get hold of, and this is what I want to talk about today, is God is jealous. God is jealous. Have you, I don't know if you've ever heard about that before or ever read about it before, but it's actually, it's actually quite a thread that runs through this, this theme of jealousy. How, hold on, wait, what? God is jealous. How could that be? How, how could God be jealous? And maybe some of you that are online at the moment, you're thinking, what? I thought God was perfect. How can, how can a perfect God be jealous? Because, you know, asking the question, have you ever been, anyone, anyone been jealous? See, I knew I could get you to raise your hands. Honestly, if we are really honest, pretty much everyone in this room could say, yeah, probably. I would say, maybe not raging jealousy, but I've been jealous. You know, we call it the green-eyed monster. When I was, I remember when I was much younger and uh, had, a, had a girlfriend and one of the things that, I, I'm ashamed to say, I was a really jealous boyfriend. I'd have strops and I'd be moody and things like that. And I didn't deal with that relationship well. Because, and, and when we think about it, everything we know and read about jealousy shows the negative aspect of it. Here's some quotes about jealousy. The jealous are troublesome to others and a torment to themselves. You can't be friends with someone who wants your life. Envy and jealousy are incurable diseases. Shakespeare said, and oft my jealousy shapes faults that are not. Jealousy stems from a fundamental inability to rejoice at someone else's happiness or success. How about this one? Jealousy is a mental cancer. 
So how do we reconcile that so negative emotion that we, if we're honest, all have felt, feel, and probably at some stage of our lives will feel? How do we, how do we reconcile when God himself says, I am a jealous God? He actually says, and I'll show this a bit later, my name is jealous. How, how do we think, well, I felt it and I sort of feel a bit dirty when I felt jealous and ashamed of my jealousy. So how can God be described as a jealous God? There are some things in the Bible that really are a mystery. As much as we try and define them, it still will be a mystery. How can God be three yet one? No one has adequately, adequately described it. It is something we wrestle with, but it will never be fully explained. But then there are other things like this that we actually need to, we need to look into. We need to wrestle with and work out some of this stuff because it can impact people when they read the Bible. And I believe as we, as we wrestle with this, as we look into it, not just here, but I encourage you, go away, look at some of these scriptures. Read them for yourselves. And as we wrestle with this characteristic of God, I, I believe and I'm praying that it will help us get a beautiful understanding of God's relationship with us and the value he places on us. Some of you may never have stepped on this landmine of jealousy. You may not be, if you're, you may be here in the room or you may be listening through on, online. You may not be a follower of Jesus and have never really read the Bible. That's okay. It's okay to be in that place. But actually, I want to open up this topic to help us understand who, who God is. Maybe you're a follower of Jesus and like many of us, I guess, we've just chosen to ignore a few verses like that because it's easier, isn't it? We'll just put them to one side. It's okay. Yes, John, you can nod your head. You can agree with me. It helps me. If it, even if it just lets me know you're still awake. You see, sometimes we just need to wrestle with this stuff. And there are concepts of God that we need to dig into. But what I want to ask is, what's your starting point? What's your starting point about your perception or your thinking of God? A distant deity with, with no interest in humanity. Or maybe you've read some of the Bible and you've read some of the weird parts and you think that's, if God is like that, that, he would be vindictive and capricious. Or maybe your starting point, like many of the people that we read in the Bible is, this is a loving God, and the lens with which I read the Bible is the lens of a loving God. And I want to throw a few scriptures out at you. And I, I haven't put these up on the, on the wall. I just want to read them to you. Psalm 17 says this, For great is his love towards us, and the faithfulness of God endures forever. Praise the Lord. Lamentations 3. 22 and 23 says this, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Jonah 4 verse 2. And I love this. I love this account of Jonah. And it says this, he prayed to the Lord 
Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is, that is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarsus. I don't know if you've thought about this, but Jonah didn't run away from God because he was scared. When you actually read through and you, you read this verse, Jonah ran away from God because he knew that God was a loving God. How strange. Let me read it. I knew, this is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. See, Jonah ran away from God because he didn't want to tell the Ninevites, the people that God had said, I want you to go and say, you're a horrible people. And they were. The stuff they were doing is just unbelievable when you look at history. They were, a, can I say, a disgusting race of people. Child sacrifices, all sorts of weird stuff going on. And God said to, God said to Jonah, go tell them, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wipe them out. And Jonah, Jonah ran away. Some of you may have heard of the account, and you know, Jonah went away and, and got into trouble in the sea, and God sent a big fish and swallowed him up and then spat him out. And, but he, he ran away not because he was scared of God. He ran away because he knew that God was loving, and if people repented... God would relent and not do what he said. How amazing is that, that, that Jonah knew his lens with which he saw everything was through a lens of a loving God. What's your perception? What's your starting point of God when you read the Bible? And if we read everything through the lens that Jonah had about God, then we'll actually begin to understand concepts of God's jealousy through maybe a very different perspective. See, God loves you. The message that we need to preach, the message that needs to come across every single week from my heart in many different ways. Whatever the topic is, God loves you. God loves One person agrees. Maybe more of you should agree with that. Maybe more of us should begin to have that lens of God's love is never ending. We teach the, the kids in, you know, I grew up singing songs about God's love. Maybe that's why it's impacted my lens of who God is. God loves us. Oprah Winfrey, who many, many of you will have heard of, turned away from Christianity and sort of formed her own religion, really. She took a bit of this and a bit of that and weaved it together and made something that was very simple, very nice but actually meant nothing to most people. It says that she turned away from Christianity after hearing a preacher talk about God and his attributes. This is a quote from, from Oprah. She said, Then he said, The Lord thy God is a je jealous God. I was caught up in the rapture of that moment until he said, Jealous. And then something struck me. I was 27, 28, and I was thinking, God is all. God is omnipresent. God is also jealous. A jealous God is jealous of me. And something about that didn't feel right in my spirit because I believe that God is love and God is in all things. You see, the problem was she just took that phrase and didn't look at it, didn't search it. And there are so many people in our world right at this moment that take things and don't look at it. You'll read a Facebook remark and you'll respond or react to that without actually thinking, what are they trying to say? What's the motive? What's behind it? And that's what she did. C.S. Lewis had difficulty coming to God because he pictured, as, pictured God as craving for our worship 
like a vain woman who wants compliments. You see, C.S. Lewis had that difficulty because he thought God was an egomaniac. He, he struggled with it. But obviously many of us know that C.S. Lewis became one of the greatest apologists in the Christian world of his time. Jealousy can be defined as a painful desire to have something that is possessed by another. And we get jealous of success. We get jealous of possessions. We get jealous of relationships. We get jealous of positions. So how? How can God be jealous? How can we reconcile that word which has been so entrenched, so built into us as a negative concept? How can we reconcile that with a God? Often jealousy can come from insecurity, envy, greed, and many other things. So how do we look at this contentious description of God? I'm glad you asked. Thank you for asking. Now let's look at it. See, one way, and I believe this is probably the best way to look at God in any way, is to look at Jesus. John 14, 8 to 11, says this. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you are, just, are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. Jesus is saying, if you want to know God, just look at me. Look at the things that I say. Look at how I relate to people. Look at the miracles. So if we want to know this loving God, we've got to look through Jesus. I love this quote. Brian Zand made this quote, and I just love it so much. God is like Jesus. God has always been like Jesus. There has never been a time when God was not like Jesus. We have not always known what God is like, but now we do. See, we have the opportunity we have the reality of being able to understand who God is because we can look at God through the life of Jesus. And this Jesus who is love, who, who lifts the downtrodden. When you look at his interactions with people, that, that's, the, that's the God who's jealous. So there's got to be a different meaning, a different understanding of this concept of jealousy. Jesus places value on the devalued and the unvalued. So do we see Jesus being jealous? Yes, we do, actually. We actually see some things that when we begin to understand them, we begin to understand this concept of jealousy. We focus on the negative meaning, yes, because that's, that's one of the things about us. But maybe when we think about God in this way, we have to rethink our perspective. And realize that perfect jealousy that we see in God and Jesus is not the corrupted jealousy that we see in ourselves. You still with me? 
He's still out there. It's a tough topic, isn't it? Thank you. It's a tough topic to get hold of because some of you are already thinking, I, just, I still don't get it. I still understand jealousy from my perspective. And how can God be a jealous God? Well, hopefully, I'll start opening the door, maybe just a little bit for some of you, but it might open the door to an understanding of this jealousy, I believe, shows the beauty of God's relationship, his value for us. John 2, verse 17, says this, And his disciples remembered that it is written, Zeal, passion for your house will consume me. You see, this word that's mentioned there, the word that's used, zealous, is actually the same word that's used for jealousy. Now can you begin to understand, oh, maybe there's something different. Passion and, and, and just this deep-seated, come on. See, when the disciples saw Jesus messing up the temple, messing up the structure, messing up the, the people being ripped off, Jesus got so jealous for his father's house and his father's reputation. Did you hear what I said there? Jesus got so jealous, not of, but for. See, this is one of the things that I want us to get hold of. God, Jesus, is jealous for, not of. God is jealous for his reputation. God is jealous for our relationship. God is jealous for, not of. That, that word, zealous, passion, jealousy, it's actually used in a really negative way in the Bible as well. In the Acts of the Apostles, the, the story of the account of the birth of the church and, and just the spread of it across the Middle East and into Europe. The, the Pharisees, the, the religious leaders of the day, looked at, they looked at the crowds that, that, that were following the disciples and they were jealous of the crowds. They were jealous of the disciples' reputation with the people. They were jealous of what the disciples were doing, not for, but of, but it's the same word. See, God is jealous for, the Pharisees were jealous of. Paul uses a similar word in 2 Corinthians 11, and I know I'm sort of throwing a lot of scriptures, but I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to take notes. Many of you can do that on your phone. Some of you might have notebooks. I always, I've got a, I love my electronic gadgets. I've got an electronic notebook and I carry it with me and I take notes on it. Maybe you're a, a paper person. I'm sort of a bit in between. I like the electronic stuff, but I like being able to write as well, so I've combined the two. Can I encourage you on a Sunday, take notes. It's amazing the difference that it does in your life when you, when you begin to take notes over and over again. It actually goes in your brain. Studies have been done. This has nothing to do with what I'm talking about today. I just want to encourage you in this, okay? Because I am passionate and committed to our growth, to your growth, to my growth. This is just one of the simple ways to help us grow. Take notes. Even if it's on your phone and you just take a couple of thoughts home with you, maybe you bring, start bringing a notebook and jotting things down. 
questions that you may want to take to your circle group as well. Where was I before you so rudely interrupted me? 2 Corinthians 11. This is Paul talking to the church that he loves, the church in Corinth. He says this, I am jealous for you. I am jealous for you of a, with a godly jealousy. I promised you to one husband, to Christ, so that I may present you as a pure virgin to him. See, Paul again is saying, I'm jealous for you. I, I know who you could be. I know, I know the potential in you, but also the potential of this incredible relationship that you could have with God. And he's saying, I am passionate for you. I am zealous for you. I am jealous because I want to present you. If, if I have it within my power and influence, I want to be able to say to God when I get to heaven to say, God, look at the church that I've pastored. Look how they've grown. And that's what Paul is saying to the church in Corinth. He didn't pastor the church, but he had such a, a passion for them and a love for this church. He says, I want, when I present you to God, I want to present you as pure and holy and in right relationship with him. He was jealous. The Pharisees saw something they didn't have and wanted it. Yet Paul saw a people that he wanted to present to God a people that he loved. So this word jealousy has both positive and negative meanings. This is, when you read some of the, the books in the Bible, and as I said earlier, you just go, well, I don't understand this. One of those books is a, a, a prophet called Hosea. I don't know if you've read the account of this guy, but... God says to him, I want to speak through, through you. Imagine that. Imagine God coming to you and going, I want to speak through you. Awesome. Me. How amazing is that? Wow, God, you want to speak through me. How amazing. Whoa, I'll do anything for you, God. Great. What I want you to do, I want you to go find a prostitute that you will love. Is there another God up there? You see, that's what God said to Hosea. He said, I want you to go and find a prostitute that I want you to love. Because the way that you love her and commit to her is going to be an example of how I love my people. Now, this is not an easy story to understand. Now, one of the things we don't find about, about this, this woman, Goma, we don't hear her backstory, but you don't enter a profession like that as a choice. You certainly didn't do in those days. It was when you were broken. It was probably, she'd probably been brought up and so abused in her life, so mistreated that she wouldn't see any other way. Because when you read about her, the way that she, she pushed her husband away, pushed his love away, and kept going back to her old way of life. Yet God kept saying to Hosea, go find your wife and bring her back. And he'd go and find her and he'd bring her back and, and she'd walk away. You see, Hosea was jealous for his relationship with his wife. And Gomer obviously was such a broken woman. You don't read that, but you can know that this was a woman that she had a whole heap of stuff going on. And 
It ends with, with Hosea bringing Gomer back and they had kids together. And, and some of those kids weren't even Hosea's, yet he loved them as his own. And God said, used Hosea. He said, this is how I love my people. The way that they walk away and I keep bringing them back. The way that they, they hurt me and I walk towards them and bring them, bring them back. See, God was jealous for his people. Not jealous of his people. They had nothing that God wanted apart from a relationship with him. What a tragic story. What a, but what, when you look into it, what a beautiful story of God's love for us. When we hurt God and we walk away. And we can use our brokenness sometimes as an excuse, but we still, when we step out of that relationship or when we're away from God, God still searches for us like he searched for Adam and Eve. When you read Genesis, God, Adam and Eve messed up. They walked away from perfection. And God went searching for them. He knew what they'd done. Yet God still wanted to step into relationship with Adam and Eve. He was jealous for their relationship. This whole picture that we read in Hosea is such a, an amazing picture of God's jealousy for relationship with people, a broken people, a people that rejected him, a people that hurt him. Let's remember that's not just the people then, that's us now. When we walk away, when we hurt God, when we reject God, when we're ashamed of God, when we sin against God, God still comes towards us. He says, come home. You know, the sign that we have on the, on the, uh, on the TV out there in, in entrance C and in entrance A, it says, welcome home. And I love that concept. But it's not me that's saying it. It's not even the church that's saying it. You see, the first welcome home is God. He's welcoming home broken people like us. Why? Because he's a jealous God. He's jealous for a relationship with you, with us. And you may think, well, I'm a Christian. I've been going on for years. I, I, I'm not like Gomer. I'm not like that. Actually, we so are. And God brings us back to himself. He gently coaxes us, us. He gently shows us his love over and over and over again. Why did Jonah run away? Because he knew of God's love. I, I was supposed to finish a while back. Can I just bring a few more points to you this morning? Thank you. There's one person that's... I'm, I'm going with that one. The rest of you... We're good. But you see, Hosea's jealousy was motivated from a love for his wife. And he wanted to see that love returned. I want to ask, imagine, Dee and I have been apart for, it'll be eight weeks on Tuesday. I left on a Tuesday, we'll meet again on a Tuesday. How do you think Dee would feel if I was giving another woman the attention and the feelings that I vowed 
to give her. That's, that's a sobering thought as a married man, as a married woman. How would you feel if your, your life partner was giving what they'd vowed to you? You see, we do that to God. We do that to God so often. We give attention, and you may be thinking, I don't do that. I don't, I don't go after, I don't chase other women, I don't chase other men. Do we put our careers in front of God? Do we put our financial security in front of God? You see, God is a God who is jealous for worship. We were created for worship. It's gone very silent, apart from Derek, who's still with me. Thank you, Derek. Maybe I'm touching on a few nerves at the moment because there are many of us that have been on the road, on the way, many years that we can say, well, we're not like that. We're not broken. We don't don't walk away from God. But you know what? We put other things in front of God. We put our career, we put our financial security. We put the things that are good in front of God. But God says over and over, over again, you shall have no other gods. We don't make little idols anymore. We don't have little idols that we bow to. What we have is a job that we bow to. Now, jobs are good. Careers are good. Education is good. But do we bow to them? Do we make them our God? Maybe I'm touching a few things here with a few people. But I told you I want to get into some of these topics to help us grow, to help us move forward. I'll come back to my notes now if that's okay. See, we're not gods, but we were created in the image of God. The devil, the enemy, cannot, he cannot create, he can only imitate and corrupt. And therefore we Our emotions have been corrupted. We follow the wrong things. We choose the wrong things. And so when we think about this jealousy, this emotion, it's a natural emotion, but it's been corrupted. And we get jealous, but God's jealousy is a pure jealousy for his relationship with us, for our worship. What will you choose to worship? Maybe that's a whole other topic that I need to bring to us and talk about. You know, we, we think we're really good when we know that, that worship isn't just the, the songs that we sing. But actually, it's a much bigger topic than that. Everything that we place, every decision that we place above God is what we worship. And we become like what we worship. Everything has to be put under God. You see, God wants us fit for original purpose, which is relationship. He created us to have relationship with him. Our original purpose, our created order, is to be in relationship with him. We're somehow always, and we're created to worship. Did you know that? We are created to worship. It's not if we worship, it's what we worship that's the problem. God is perfect and without sin, and therefore his jealousy is perfect and without sin. 
He is jealous for us, not of us. We're created for worship. And often we look at God as if he was human and think he's, a, he's an eager maniac, he's, he's a needy God. But God is calling us to worship him and him alone. Let me, let me just finish a couple more things to say, but I just want to unpack a bit of my story, if that's okay, just for a minute or so. I, I grew up in church. Many of you already know that. My parents are probably watching online at this moment. And my mum did, did an interview with my mum, and she talked a bit about my story from her perspective a while back. You see, when I walked away from God and church, I blocked out a lot of things. I wasn't, I wasn't a bad person by that definition, okay? I didn't go into a life of drugs and all of that sort of stuff and gang violence. But what I did was I put other things above God. Two things mainly. Girls, sport. I made those things my God. And there is nothing wrong with either of them. I have a beautiful wife who I love. I thank God for her every moment. And I can't wait to see her. But she is not my God. My marriage is not my God. It is of the highest priority in my life, but it is not my God. So when I walked away from God, I didn't stop believing in him. Some people do. And, and, and I want to have conversations with those people, but I didn't stop believing in God. I just made other things my priority. And one of the things that kept coming back to me over and over again in whatever I did, and just it must have been God that dropped this into my heart. I, I had no concept of it in those days. It wasn't how much God loved me. Did you know that? God didn't remind me of his love for me. He reminded me that he's a jealous God. That was the phrase. Every now and then it would just pop in my head. I'm a jealous God. Where the heck did that come from? I'm a jealous God. I'm a jealous God. And this is really why I think it's such an important topic for us to understand. Because God reminded that, reminded me that, that I'd put other things above him. Good things, sport and girls. Not bad things, but I made them my priority. And over a period of time, God just reminded me over and over again, I'm a jealous God. God reminded me that he is jealous for me. And I want to ask us, what's taking our attention away from our relationship with him? Particularly, I guess I'm talking to followers of Christ, but maybe you've never made that decision and you, you're thinking now, I actually have so many other priorities. And maybe God is just speaking to you. I'm praying he's speaking to you if you're not a follower of his. Or like me, you've walked away. God is saying, hey, I want to be number one in your life. I'm a jealous God. I want you to be in created order. I want you if you remember when I talked about God as a consuming fire, I want you to be a hundred. I want you to be pure gold, not 37.8% gold. I want to purify you. I want you to be pure before me. We're called to give God everything. 
all our unrealised hopes, our emotions, our pain, our hurts, our ambitions, our dreams. Because any of these can rule our lives. Any of them can become God and we call and we worship him. God is jealous. Let me just throw you these things. I haven't got time to go into them. We keep our focus on God by serving him. We keep our focus on God by making him our foundation. We keep our focus on God by making him our strength. We keep our focus on God by being continually grateful to him. God is jealous because he created us and he loves us. And if we ever need to be reminded, all we've got to do is look at the cross. The cross reminds us of this place of perfect love. It reminds us of this place of perfect justice. It reminds us that God is jealous for each and every single one of us. Because that's why he died. He died for us to be in relationship with him. For us to be in created order. Imagine a church that is jealous to bring people to know Jesus. Not just to invite them to church. I love our church. I love our church. I've only been here six weeks, something like that. And I love our church. I also love the church. In all our brokenness. In all our messed up stuff. But imagine a church that's not worried about vaccinations or not. It's not worried about other stuff. It doesn't mean to say that we don't have that as a, something that we believe in, but we are jealous to bring people to Jesus. A church that is jealous for our relationship with God and with each other. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you. I thank you, God, that you, you want us to unpack this stuff. You want us to show the full extent of your character. You want us to know who you are. God, I pray for every single person that's been listening with an open heart and an open mind. God, that something, just one thing that I've said today will cause them to love you more, will cause them to turn their attention towards you. And maybe, just maybe, cause those, whether they're in this room or online, cause them to make a decision to follow you. I just love every head to be bowed, every eye to be closed. If you're a follower of Christ already, time for you to maybe do some business with God. But what I'd love you to do is also pray for those that don't know Jesus, that are in this room or maybe even online. Don't disengage at the moment. Stay engaged because this is a really important moment in church. See, because I want to speak to those of you out there, both in the room and online. I want to invite you into a place of relationship with this jealous God. Invite you into a place of saying yes to Jesus, yes to his love, his grace, his forgiveness. And I'd love for the privilege of praying with you in a moment. And maybe you're here and you've never made that decision. Maybe you're online and never made that decision. Or maybe you're here and, like me, you, you grew up, you, you had that in front of you, but you walked away. Like the prodigal son, you've said, 
I want to go and do my own thing. But God right now is calling you, welcome home. Welcome home. And he's standing there with open arms, waiting for you to make a decision to follow him. And maybe you're a younger person. And you've grown up in church. And you've, you've seen all of this stuff. And God, right at this moment, somehow, you don't know how it's working in your head, but God is saying, I want a relationship with you. Not through your parents, not through your youth group, but I want a relationship with you. And I'd love to have the privilege of praying with you. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you know that's you, whether you're in the room or you're maybe through online, all I want you to do is put your hand in the air. If you're online right at this moment, there should be a little click button that you can click. It says, raising my hand, I'm coming home to Jesus. Right now you're saying yes to Jesus. Who in this room is ready to say, yeah, that's me? I'm just asking to, you to put your hand up. So I, I love to know who I'm praying with. And so if that's you, stick your hand in the air. Thank you over here. Fantastic. Thank you at the back here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you at the back over there. You're saying yes to Jesus, yes to his grace, his love, his, his forgiveness. People all over this room right at this moment saying yes to Jesus. Whether it's the first time or whether it's a coming back, doesn't matter. Father's saying welcome home. Let me pray with you before I hand over to Bailey. Father God, I thank you for your love for me. I thank you that you are a jealous God that shows your love for me. I ask to come into your family right now. Thank you for welcoming me home. I ask for forgiveness of my sin. And from this moment forward, I am now a follower of Christ. Amen, amen, amen.